0: Welcome to the latest episode of Comic Book Physics, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. We're continuing our series of podcasts inspired by the current episode of the unofficial 75 Greatest Marvels Countdown podcast, and this month we are looking at Incredible Hulk number one, specifically the way the Hulk's transformations work in this issue, meaning the nocturnal transformations where Bruce Banner is Bruce by day and becomes the Hulk at night. Now, we've seen similar ideas in werewolf lore, for example, where it's not just night time, but the full moon that causes the transformation. The question is, is a nocturnal transformation triggered that way really feasible? We have to ask ourselves what, scientifically, is the difference between night and day? We experience day and night cycles as we do because Earth orbits a single star, and it rotates relative to that star. Compare that to the moon, which is in what we call a tidal lock with Earth so the same side of the moon is always facing us. Effectively, the year of the moon is the same amount of time, about 22 hours, as the moon's day, which is why we always see the same face of the moon. As it rotates around us, that face will rotate, so it's constantly looking at us, so to speak. So we perceive differences in day and night because the sun's radiation, or at least most of it, is unable to penetrate the earth. So once the sun goes below the horizon, that radiation is blocked. So specifically, what radiation or emissions would that be? Well, the sun emits a few things. Primarily, it emits electromagnetic radiation from the radio to ultraviolet range, including visible light, and that's what we know best. It also emits charged particles such as electrons, protons, pions, muons, and an assortment of others, but those charged particles are known as the solar wind. And finally, it emits neutrinos, which have very little charge. So different particles have different energy levels. It takes different objects or materials to stop them. The more energy something has, the harder it is to stop. The less interactive it is, the harder it is to stop. Electromagnetic radiation is often absorbed by materials that are about as large as half the wavelength of the light. So if you want to absorb a radio wave with a two meter wavelength, you need to have at least a meter's worth of a material before you've got a decent shot of absorbing that material. And of course, the bigger it is, the more meters of it you have, the more multiples of the wavelength you have, the more likely it is to be absorbed, as long as it can handle the energy levels. So that's why it takes more to absorb an x-ray or a gamma ray than it does to absorb, say, radio waves or visible light. Yes, they have shorter wavelengths, but they also have a tremendous amount of energy. So it takes a lot of that absorber before they get completely absorbed. So electromagnetic radiation is a definite possibility, since that's most clearly blocked by the presence of the Earth. Now, the solar wind, which comes from the sun, rarely makes it to the surface of the Earth. The Earth's magnetic field tends to deflect it, so we don't interact with it at all. It doesn't reach the surface of the Earth, so that can't be the trigger, because that's no difference between night and day. The other major particle that gets emitted is the neutrino. Now, those hardly interact with anything. The world's biggest neutrino observatory is called SNOW. It's the Submarine Neutrino Observatory where they've taken thousands and thousands of liters of cleaning solution, filled a giant spherical detector, and buried it miles underground at the bottom of an old salt mine. Now, the neutrinos that come from the sun come at a huge rate. There's a few million of them that pass through every square centimeter of the Earth's surface every second, but these things barely interact. So in the submarine neutrino observatory is trying to observe neutrinos, they're actually measuring not how many neutrinos are absorbed by the material above them. That's why they're several miles underground. Virtually only neutrinos are going to get through that. But they check the difference between neutrinos measured at night and during the day using the entire earth as the absorber. Now with those millions of neutrinos hitting a square centimeter of the earth's surface every second in the submarine neutrino observatory usually expects to observe about 12 neutrinos a week. And the differences between them and the differences between night and day amount to about one of those neutrinos. So the fact that the Earth is here hardly managed to neutrinos because they don't interact at all. So, well, not at all, but it's minimal interaction. So it's unlikely that they are the cause of the change in the Hulk because A, he'd have to actually interact with the neutrinos at a significant level, which he doesn't, and B, there would be almost no difference in the neutrino input between whether it's day or night. So we can rule those out. So that leaves... Electromagnetic radiation as the source of the Hulk's transformation, at least at this time before he became the rage monster. Now, any individual photon of a given wavelength is indistinguishable from any other photon of that same wavelength. Once you have the wavelength of a photon, you could describe it pretty much completely. So, if you have visible light from the sun or visible light from a light bulb with the same wavelength, there's no absorber that can distinguish the difference between the sources. So, since the transformation doesn't happen indoors when the lights are turned on and off, there must be some distinguishing feature of the light itself. Most indoor lighting doesn't use ultraviolet light, so that's a possibility. You could probably test that by sending Bruce Banner to a rave and seeing if he hulks out on the dance floor, but I don't think our insurance will cover that test. The other possibility is that it's not a specific wavelength introduced to remove that causes the transformation, but rather a profile or the relative combinations of light of various frequencies. In that case, he also transformed during the day every time he went into a room with artificial light and no natural light, which I would imagine would be fairly common in a high-security bomb test site where some rooms really shouldn't have windows. So therefore, the only chance for this to work is through ultraviolet light. However, if the presence of UV prevents or reverses the transformation, because that's more prevalent during the daytime, then that means Bruce Banner would be the altered form, and the Hulk, which is the form he would take in a vacuum or a void, must be the natural form. And the UV light suppresses the Hulk and brings Bruce Banner back. So it's no wonder that Bruce Banner hasn't been able to cure himself of being the Hulk after all these years. Bruce is the Hulk's condition and not the other way around. So that wraps it up for this month. Join us again on the last Wednesday of March and every other month after that for a new episode of Comic Book Physics. There are three episodes left where we're going to be taking our cues from the unofficial 75 Greatest Marvels Countdown podcast. Beyond that, we are open to suggestions, which can be sent to bureau42podcasts at gmail.com. Please feel free to rate this and any of the shows you listen to on iTunes, on Stitcher, or whatever podcatcher you happen to be using. It really does help the shows get noticed. And finally, thank you for listening.